Aloha Maui Nui. Hey, this is Josh Porter. And Jason Verkart. It is the Solar Coaster. Welcome to the Solar Coaster. Uh, this is episode, what number is it? Is it 96, Jay? I think it's 96. You had that on the email. 96. <laughs> I, well, I don't, almost don't trust myself. I had to go across the reference the Google Docs here. We got a good show today. Uh, it's with Sarah Gooderman, the CEO, the Chief Executive Officer of Green Builder Media. Uh, building a Better World is their, is their byline there. Uh, pretty excited yep. to, uh, to speak with, with Sarah. We've been kind of um, pinging emails back and forth for a little while. And uh, she's got a really or amazing organization. We've seen her at SBIJ. Uh, we saw the collaboration with uh, this really cool house called the Casita, and then of course one of our uh, sponsors, Tabuchi Electric America, was there with the energy storage system. A lot of cool stuff going on here. Yeah, it really is. Uh, they, they're involved in so many uh, fun, innovative, kind of new style living projects. Way to make your life better uh, through alternative energies, alternative styles, and building technologies, all sorts of stuff. I mean, just stay tuned for that. So we're going to really learn all about it. We're going to learn all about yeah. it. So we got that coming up, and uh, we also have a couple of guests in studio, some solar coaster veterans. Uh, Mr. Solar Anthony, want to say hi, buddy? Aloha, Maui. How are we doing today? Excellent. Good to have you, Anthony. Thanks for coming in, buddy. And we got somebody else here. Who are you? Hi. <laughs> That's my daughter, Julia, at spring break. So it's a uh, bring daughter to work to, to, <laughs> to, to today. Understood. It happens yep, from time yep. to time. Okay. All right. So let's jump in. We'll do our housekeeping, get right over our news and events, and get the show underway. What do you say, Jay? Good, good. Let's do it. All right, folks. This is the Solar Coaster. We are a renewable energy-themed talk show right here in lovely Maui County. We can be found Fridays at 105 p.m. on Oil 1110 a.m. Also, some FM stations, 96.7 FM Central Maui, 96.5 FM Westside, 98.7 FM Upcountry. Website is www.solar-coaster.com. You can listen live. Uh, check out all our photos from random places we've been and things we've done uh, sign up for the mailing list but most importantly if you scroll down a bit you can submit a question to the solar coaster so if you have questions or comments about the show you want to know something about a particular solar or, or renewable energy technology uh, shoot us a note and let us know so we can get you on the air uh, we're also available uh, on iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn. You can actually just go out. I showed it out last time. I'm not going to say it this time but you can actually ask Siri or Alexa to play you um, the uh, Solar Coaster podcast. And I'm specifically breaking that up because I actually triggered my own phone and I apologize for anybody else's phone I triggered last episode. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> That's wild. Check that out. Um, yeah, we yeah. got some great sponsors, right, Jay? Uh, Sundrum Solar, Pantech Design, and our newest sponsor, uh, LG Chem. So uh, really excited LG to have Chem. these these wonderful companies here supporting the Solar Coaster. This is a call-in show. 808-242 is uh, seven. 808-242-7800, excuse me, is the <laughs> call in line. 808-242-7800. If you'd like to give us a call, stump us, or hear, uh, have some new ideas you'd like to share. Let's jump over to the Pantech Design Minute. Number With Pantech Design's adapt system and a home battery, life doesn't stop just because of a hiccup in the electrical grid. These stakes are going great. Oh, it looks like the power's out again. Guess I was pretty lucky to get that home battery. It doesn't look like a storm or anything, so it'll probably be back again soon. I'll leave the whole house up and running. Hey, Josh. I'm ready for dinner. Thanks for inviting me. Looks like the power's out all over the island. How's your system holding up? It seems great. The only reason I even know the power's out is when I get these alerts. That's so cool. Hey, guys. I was just passing by and noticed that the lights are still on. You got one of those home batteries that store your solar power, didn't you? Yeah, it wasn't even really expensive because you can get the tax credits with like with a regular solar system, right? That's so cool. Mind if I charge my phone? No worries, man. Go right ahead. Dad, can my friends from down the street come over to charge their phones? The Adapt Control Panel says we've got more than enough solar and battery to charge a few phones. Uh, sure, yeah. In fact, why don't you invite their parents over too? We can make it a party. Put some more drinks in the fridge, Anthony, and bring me a couple more steaks, would you? Cool, Dad. I'm on it. Thank you. Okay, that was uh, Pantech Design Minute number 10. It just gets more and more interesting, Jay. Yeah, it's just cool to have one of these things. <laughs> You're the only one in your neighborhood with the lights still on when the power goes out. I mean, that's, that's pretty neat. <laughs> that was, yeah. So uh, excited to you know see uh, one of these up in action soon. I, I hear that Troy's got one in Texas, uh, the Sonin Equalink system married with Pantech Design and the Adapt software. Uh, and then also there's one up and running in uh, Puerto Rico right now, which is pretty great. Yeah. Excellent. Okay, news and events time, Jay. 
news and events, we always have too much. Uh, start right away, just real quick. Uh, global demand reaches 104 gigawatt in 2018. So this global global demand is actually like their global um, what was installed. So global capacity that was installed. I think the demand is actually quite high. Uh, this is the ability. This is the amount we were able to actually roll out. Uh, so 104 right. gigawatt globally. Uh, what, what does that mean for us, though? I mean, we, we did the math a couple shows back, and it actually we need to be at like a thousand to really make that 2050 goal. So, so we're, a thousand we're, gigawatts uh, per a year. A thousand gigawatts per which is year. A, ter- up a terawatt. A terawatt. One terawatt, and uh, of deployed solar in order to reach what did you say? The 2050. Uh, the 2050 guideline for 100 percent renewable for the world. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. And it said that you know the the this 1.4. 104 gigawatts was uh, kind of bolstered by uh, emerging markets. So solar is taking off in kind of the developing world right now in a pretty big way. Right. If you remember, China cut cut their subsidies, which kind of canceled or, or postponed a lot of projects out that way. And China is huge. I mean, basically, the way China goes is generally the way the world is going. Um, but they, they stopped their subsidies uh, because they couldn't pay them all. Um, and that, that kind of sidelined a lot of projects there. But surprisingly uh developing world emerging markets uh interesting places all over the world where power may not be that easy to get it's actually a whole lot easier to roll out uh solar and wind and renewable energies uh that don't necessarily even need to be connected to a larger grid in order to service those areas and those picked up the slack in a major way right about four gigawatts right from that that extra oversupply in china amazing wow so we got some hundred gigawatts that's the standard right now gotta get to a terawatt i don't know how it's gonna work gotta get to a terawatt let's go (laughs) which (laughs) you Start, start installing more. I think we need to manufacture more before we can install it. That's what. That's kind of what I was saying. Is I, I'm sure there is more demand. It's just, um, can we make that much? Mm-hmm. Can well, we install that much? <laughs> well, we'll have to, I guess, right? So, uh, what's, yeah, absolutely. We, do you want to head over to this? Uh, what was the next one you wanted to do, Jay? Was it the? Um... Um, well, I was. I was reading this article you sent me about Swedish technology. Yeah. Um, they're, they're very much into geothermal because geothermal is 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 plentiful in the region right um iceland and and sweden and a couple others they think they get uh, a good amount of, of geothermal energy because of some stable uh activity underground um hot water so you, you're joy the way geothermal works is they literally pump hot water out and they use it to um turn turbines it's pretty simplistic mm-hmm. but uh that's pretty simplistic but i mean it's it's basically that and you've always needed very 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 hot water to make it work which means like superheated it's what you would be doing in a boiler uh what we do down malaya uh but we burn diesel to get it there they use uh heated by the earth so this new swedish technology is actually um oh this is nice this is really cool uh sorry so this new technology actually uses low temperature water. I mean, it's still not low temperature as we would think. I mean, it's hotter than bath water, <laughs> but not not the many the, the massively superheated groundwater from from hot springs and such. Uh, they can do it with a couple hundred degree differential between the water that's coming out of the ground yeah. and, and what they're pumping. And that opens up a whole lot of avenues because there's a lot of places where there's slightly warm groundwater, but not superheated and so your geothermal just expands all over the place not only that it's cheap right they can do this at around four was it four and a half cents per kilowatt hour which it puts it i mean it's a little high for solar in the u.s but it's on par with solar in europe you know um, power nice nice and cheap and they've discovered some really fun and weird ways to use it so they make these little generators but they don't have to pump water out of the ground they actually went to like a steel foundry and they they have a cooling water that they use and they basically just run it through the the, through the foundry cool the ground uh, the grounds etc so that they can continue to to work and then cool it off and then release it back into the environment. It's not radioactive or anything. It was just hot. So they have to cool it off and then they let it go. Um, but they've been using that water and they've opened up all these new revenue streams for companies that didn't even know that they could have this. <laughs> and now that the steel is foundry wild. is making its own electricity from the uh, recapturing that thermal energy, I think is, is what uh, uh, Sundrum 
uh, yeah, <laughs> would, yeah. would say, right? This heat Absolutely. exchanging area is huge, right? So uh, it, this is interesting too because they're they're small, they're modular uh, systems. They can be scaled up. Sure. They can be used in different ways. Um, you know, and then like you said, you're not you don't have to deal with those extremes of temperature. You can create energy through this kind of mild differential, and then you got a lot of application opportunities here. So it seems like you know heat exchanging is really going to be a big part of how we address our energy needs in the future. It just is. I, I'm seeing it everywhere. Yeah, absolutely. Thermal recapture is going to be a, a big deal. Awesome stuff. Awesome stuff. So um, let's see. Do you want to jump over to photovoltaics? So we're going to we're going to touch on that. You, one a you bit wanted tonight? you wanted to say that word, didn't you? Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Photovoltaics is is the practice of taking solar photovoltaic panels and actually floating them on a, a on a reservoir, some some kind of inland body of water, so that it um, they they don't obviously float away and they're not susceptible to a lot of waves and such but if it's if it's a stable um, area of water like a reservoir you can actually um, reduce the amount of evaporation and keep more water in your so reservoir if you do this by the way it, so there's, right? there's a lot of benefits um, but they, what they've been doing in Thailand is specifically um, targeting reservoirs where they already have uh, hydroelectric power hydroelectric dams they have dams all over the place I mean a lot of places do oh, so but it's a natural add-on to that going very space. heavy yeah Right, so they keep their water in place, which is great because the, the, the panels are covering part of the surface of the lake. Um, they generate PV from it. But the, the coolest thing is that since it's kind of co-located with this hydroelectric dam, mm -hmm. they don't have to pay a lot to actually integrate it to the infrastructure. All the, all the power connections and everything are already there for the hydroelectric generators, right? Right. So they just use those and, and connect the PV to it, and now they're generating more out of the same you installation. You a lot of benefits here, Jay. That's exciting. Yeah, you know, really, really You cool. have the ability of, if you, even if you, you know, you, you hold to the side the issue of being able to control evaporation, that's one thing, but you have the firm power, which you get from hydro, you have the intermittent power yep. from solar, right? And yep. then you're, yep. you're, you're taking advantage of space that otherwise wouldn't be, you know, wouldn't be utilized. I mean, there, there is a cost to the land it's control utilized. required. It's utilized. It's there for a restaurant. <laughs> Reservoir, but I mean, well, yeah. yeah, I guess you could use it for <laughs> recreation, right? I guess maybe you're sacrificing sure. recreation if you wanted to kind of look really sure. critically at it. But, but it, you know, in, in contrast with tying up land for large solar farms, you know, especially in environments where land is at a premium. I, I, I don't know if it was this article, Jay, mm -hmm. or one of the accompanying ones, but it mentioned that some of the one of the one of the countries that's really going after photovoltaics, just to say it again, is uh, Japan. <laughs> Because we know mm -hmm. how what a premium land is in in Japan, right? You just you're right. You're, you're, well, all, the, all these Asian countries where the, where population density is very high, the land value is is huge and, and has additional. I mean, there are additional issues that that come with that. I mean, if you if you do lose your recreation facilities or you do lose um, parks, public areas, I mean, it, it it costs a lot. So being able to double up on any kind and it's not like they're going to cover the entire reservoir you can right. see there's in the, in the photos here there's there's a lot of space available it's just that they're they're using some of it for this it's getting uh, but, more but and double more it, double it, doubling up land use this this co-location that i keep talking about uh is a really is a really big deal uh but thailand is betting big on it they're they're actually saying that that in in a couple of years uh, by 2050 it's going to be 10 percent of their solar capacity is going to be in these reservoirs, okay. whereas yeah. it's like it's it's only it's it's barely one percent in the rest of the world. There are a couple of videos out there right now of the installation teams building them on like a bank, and then mm -hmm. literally everyone getting together and it's like okay heave, and they're pushing it <laughs> into, into the water, the yeah. water, and they launch it like a boat or something, right? And then I yeah. you know and then of course yeah. you look at that and you go oh, well. That power's got to traverse back somehow. I guess there's yeah. an underwater cable or something along those lines. So it's pretty mm. fascinating what's happening. I mean, uh, I'd, I'd love to be able to get up close and, and kind of check those out. You know, if you remember, Jay, we were looking at the uh, the, the the application of uh, bifacials in different environments and the albedo. Is that the, how you pronounce that? The yep. reflectivity Correct. of the underside area of a solar farm uh, was referenced, and I, the water was actually really low. And water was right? on the list. Yeah, but yeah it was but low. Yeah. I was surprised. I thought, oh, it must be very reflective, but actually, no, it's not super reflective. No, no, no. Of, I mean, go go snorkeling sometime, dude. <laughs> okay. That's going to be the next tourist attraction. Yeah, go snorkeling under the solar array. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, that, okay, that doesn't actually sound very safe. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, right. Well, they sink one and it becomes a reef, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, so uh, <laughs> very good. Habitat All right. Fish. Jay, are we moving towards national right now or get one more in, uh, in global? 
Uh, I just one real quick, uh, like peanut butter and jelly, wind and solar in a 1.2 gigawatt deal. Nextera and KKR, which is a fund managing uh, company, half a billion dollars worth of, of funds and investments, mm-hmm. private investments, uh, partnered on a portfolio of, of 10 operational wind and solar assets totaling 860 megawatts of wind, 328 megawatt ac of solar um so this this is a big deal but i like i like the fact i keep talking about this co-location thing that they're talking they're they're mixing these energy sources josh you got solar in my wind (laughs) (laughs) you got wind in my solar (laughs) two great tastes that taste great together you know (laughs) (laughs) well i mean it makes sense because you're you know from a energy person's perspective you're thinking about curve, you know, energy curve, uh, and then when is energy produced, and when is power, when, when do you get power, when do you get, how much energy do you get, over what time frame, and so, you know, wind can be kind of like 24-7, depending on where it's at, uh, solar, of course, you're, you got a daytime energy curve from, you know, something like 10 to 3-ish, or something, depending on what part of the world you're in, so you, these two things together can kind of, you know, work hand in hand and provide a con- more consistent, yeah, of course, coupled with batteries, right, it gives you a more consistent yep. uh, uh, power. Power, you know, availability of power, and uh, yeah. so it makes sense to kind of like co-locate. What a great word! I love that word, Jay. Yeah. yeah. Well, these and this and this isn't specifically a co-located installation per se, but it is that, that they're all um, putting all of these energy sources under one umbrella oh, that they're going to they're going to own, own, like, own and use. But but you. yeah, but co yeah, but co-location is just a, is a really really smart thing to do. Absolutely. Can we talk about um, the panel claw? Can we talk about that, please? Yeah, I knew you were gonna. I knew you were gonna oh say that next. Oh my goodness! Hour. I pulled it up. This is so cool. This is so cool. <laughs> go, go, so there's go, this. Yeah, this is ahead. Solar Power World uh, panel claw. It will integrate Yoda solar panel level battery into its mounting systems as ballast replacement. Now that is I'm, a I'm mouthful. Sorry, I'm sorry. There's a Yoda watt panel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. A Yoda watt panel. Okay. Yeah, I don't know if you want to take the moment to explain Yoda watt again, Jay. But what is that like? The amount of energy that pops out of the sun or something at a given moment or something like yeah, that. Right. Right. Yeah. But in, in any case, but yeah, it's a good name, Yoda. Right. But uh, what they're doing here is that that was a huge, uh, you know, uh, title to this article. But the bottom line is, when you put solar on a flat roof, right? You need uh, you, generally they're not penetrating um, across the board. What they're doing is they're using ballast, and that just means weight. So like cinder blocks or some kind of weight to be able to hold that down. And it's got a little a specific frame to a flat roof, and it's kind of pitched up slightly to catch the sun at the right you know angle of incidence and whatnot. But of course, now when you start thinking about batteries, then you go, well, I got a really heavy thing in the form of a battery. And why am I you know, redundantly putting in another heavy thing here when I can just put in a battery? And there are a couple companies that have been you know, uh, trialing the idea of storage behind the actual solar panel itself, which, you know, at first, time you hear that, you go, wait a second here, I'm putting ener- batteries up on top of a roof in a hot environment with out, a lot of in the in wind, weather. In the yeah, my, my, my gut goes, eh. Yeah, and, and so for that, <laughs> yeah, in that scenario alone, I'm kind of like, eh, I don't know. I am attracted to it, I got to tell you. It does fascinate me. But I am definitely uh, skeptical. But then in this case, when you know you're going to have to put down um, ballast, this is a really interesting idea. First of all, it's going to be a little bit closer to the roof than the panel, right? Um, mm-hmm. And you, ha- you you have to put something there. So if you have a robust form of energy storage that you feel really confident in, could that be a good application? Well, this article goes into it. It's very exciting stuff, Shay. Yeah, no, there's there's definitely better chemistries for this type of type of installation. Uh, it makes a lot of sense because of the weight issues that you were talking about. And and I mean, honestly, the, the AC modules, I think, what, what do they call them? Yeah, the AC power modules, yeah. which is a solar generating panel, a battery to store the power and an inverter to get it out as something you can just plug into the regular AC power um, are actually really attractive. <laughs> They talk about a lot of advantages here. This thing's called the Solar Leaf Attachment, which is a, uh, a racking system that integrates this uh, energy storage at the module level as a ballast. And they say some you know important things. Solar Leaf reduces project and operational costs by eliminating the need for large enclosures. So if you have big batteries on the side of the building, right? Uh, HVAC and fire suppression systems are eliminated as well uh, in this case. Um, with other battery technologies. It also lowers expensive shipping costs of heavy ballasts, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, And and centralized energy storage systems. So there's some savings across the board with this approach. I'm excited about this. I I really want to see one up and running. Ship rocker rocker sand or do you want to ship battery? I mean, they weigh the same. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) Okay, so we jump over to uh, SunPower real fast and just kind of talk about the uh, big big water. Sure, you and I have very differing opinions on this one. Uh, SunPower, for those that don't know, is a producer of uh, solar panels. They have, were, were kind of known for, for many, many years as like the premium panel. Their, their panels far outperformed everybody else. You got more energy 
per panel than pretty much everybody out there. Um, but in recent years, I, they've kind of been sitting on their laurels, if I can say that. And they, I haven't seen any fantastic innovations come out of SunPower in a long time. Well, they now have a new product for 2019. It is called their A-Series panel. It is going to be big. <laughs> And I don't yeah. mean, and I don't mean just energy. I mean it's physically large. Um, 400 watts more comes with an integrated micro inverter, which is a good thing um, for those who know about micros. But um, <clears throat> it simply is. It's like 65% larger per cell, and the panels are large. So is, is it still going to be 60 cells? I was. It wasn't clear. Well, for me. Uh, the way that SunPower. This is what's going on, right? So SunPower in the past had these kind of smaller cells, and they would have 96 of them, uh, 96 cell product, right, Anthony? Yep. In a, in a comparable footprint, not exactly the same dimensions of a traditional panel, which yeah. is about, what is it, uh, 65 by about 39 and a half inches. That like, tends yep. to be the size of a regular 60-cell yeah. standard yeah. residential module. So some powers, mm -hmm. uh, higher efficiency, smaller cells themselves, they would, uh, you know, years past, you had like 250-watt conventional, you had 300, 327-watt sun powers. Oh, yeah. Now we're in a world of conventional products, meaning, I don't know what we want to include in conventional these days, but we got everything from like like, you know, 300 to 360, 70 watt kind of standard non-bifacial panels. And then now SunPower is coming out with these 400 waters, right? 400 watts. Uh, now 415. 415 is kind of the top yeah. sort. What they did, I did read yeah. is that they've actually gone with a larger cell for the solar geeks out there. So they mm -hmm. kind of, so I don't know what the cell count is to be long with it about trying to yeah, answer it was, your question. It was not, cl it was not clear. Maxian Gen 5 solar cells, one of the industry's highest powered. Yeah, very cool stuff. And they're doing a... a they're it's, do it's, it's good, but I mean, for, for, for a, tr a standard install, doesn't that mean you have to buy different racking and a bunch of other... Doesn't it cause problems for um, I, you know, I think that SunPower's got a pretty uh, integrated full suite of racking and everything that goes together with this. I don't think it, it changes... You're, um, you're just kind of locked into their whole ecosystem, right? I, I don't know. I, I, and frankly, I put a call into SunPower, and I, was, I hope to get a comment uh, from what they're up to. But it is exciting to see their technology out there. They do talk about the long-term uh, greater energy harvest from lower degradation mm -hmm. of the PV um, uh, cells over like the long you know span, right? Mm -hmm. But you do well, pay that's, premium. That's, good. that's so you know it's, it's yeah. there's the yeah. trade-off, right? They talk about uh, that, what is this tool? Yeah, that that's that's been their thing is that they've always been kind of the like the high-priced uh, premium option, right? And you do you do you do get what you pay for, which is more watts. Yeah. But um, is is it enough? is kind of my question. Well, I, I mean, just, you know, like going back to the racking system, Solar World uses their own racking for their panels too. But I mean, if it's all about price per kilowatt and what this offers, I, I know a lot of people that would pay a premium to have less panels on their roof, even if it was bigger. Um, you know, some people are, are really, really set on that. You know, so I know sure. a lot of people that would rather put nine panels up than 16. And um, with the uh, microinverter built in, that sounds like a really tempting offer. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. It's really interesting, and and I'm anyway. I'm glad to see some power making some uh, some news. new new <laughs> news and new technologies yeah. that are coming out. So hey, why don't we jump over to oh. our commercials? We'll skip uh, Hawaii, uh, and then we'll come right back with Sarah Gutterman, uh, the CEO of Green Builder Media. Pantech Design is ushering the world into a new age of home energy automation through the convergence of smart home technologies and renewable energy management. Unifying solar energy production, intelligent energy storage, and smart breaker technologies with smart home devices, Pantech Design's complete home energy automation suite incorporates unprecedented control of lighting, shades, climate, security, hot water, electric vehicle charging, and many other systems. Contact Pantech today at PantechDesign.com. Sundrum Solar is the manufacturer of a revolutionary thermal collector that fits on the underside of your standard PV panel to maximize energy capture per square foot. The Sundrum Solar Hybrid PVT system, combined photovoltaic and thermal, holds the world record for peak efficiency, capturing an astounding 86% usable energy. Learn how Sundrum Solar vastly improves electric, heating, and cooling economics at sundrumsolar.com. Well, those are our wonderful sponsors, Jay. Um, you know, somehow LG we've made it Chem. to LG Chem, right? So let's get that one worked out. <laughs> Uh, so, folks, you know, we're really fortunate today to have um, um, a, a great caller, Sarah Goodman. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. CEO of Green Builder Media. Sarah, can you hear me okay? Yes, I can. Aloha, Sarah. Welcome to the Solar Coaster. Thanks so much for joining us today. Aloha. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. So, Sarah, um, where are you calling in from? 
I am in the mountains of Colorado near Telluride in the southeastern part, and it is snowing here, so oh, I assume very different weather from uh, what you're experiencing there. <laughs> okay, great. Well, um, you know, I'm really excited to have the opportunity to talk with you and learn about your organization. We've kind of, I've seen uh, you peeking up in media all over the discussions. We've cited some of your... Um, Ref reference stuff every re so often, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. reference stuff uh, that you're covering. You've got some great partnerships out there, bringing together new technologies and stuff. So why don't we start out just at the beginning, give us a sense of who you are, what your background is. Tell us a little bit about Green Builder. Sure. Um, so... I, um, I come out of venture capital, actually. In the beginning of my career, I, was, I worked with a mid-sized venture capital firm in Boulder, Colorado, and um, I had the good fortune to uh, be able to work with them, uh, mostly on telecommunications uh, companies, but we did have a niche uh, where we invested in organic foods and natural retail products um, and invested in companies like Horizon Organic Dairy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the now a lot of most folks have heard of that. We we also invested in Zand Herbal Products, which kicked off the whole nutraceuticals phase, so echinacea and zinc lozenges. Hmm. Um, and through that process, I got to work with some folks far smarter than me uh, to understand market transformation. Um, mm -hmm. Because during the '90s and early 2000s, um, w uh, we were able to transform organic foods and natural retail products from something that was very crunchy and scary. And you could only purchase if you had a ponytail and were wearing Birkenstock oh. shopping in Vitamin Cottage to something that was massively and rapidly adopted in the mainstream. And it's also where I developed my love for creating companies that are simultaneously sustainable and profitable. Absolutely. Uh, so in 2004, when I met my co-founder of Green Builder Media, Ron Jones, who happens to be one of the early pioneers in the green building space, he's been a green builder for nearly four decades now, um, we realized very quickly that we could bring his deep experience in the building industry and my experience in VC together to create Green Builder Media in order to address a white space um, that con that existed then and really continues to exist today, um, where you know we we really put our stake in the ground with respect to thought leadership and being on the leading edge of innovation. Um, with respect to the content that we generate, the services that we offer, the projects that we engage in, the live events that we host. Um, and so today, fast forward to today, I won't take you through all the gory details, but uh, <laughs> fast forward to today, and, and Green Builder Media is now the nation's leading media company focused on green building and sustainable living. We've got a variety of media and communications channels. We do demonstration projects. Uh, we do host live events, and then we've also got this great suite of market intelligence and data services. That's a good. Uh, that's a, that's a great, great story, and that really helped me to get a better understanding of what you're doing with Green Builder. Uh, and you know, when you said a white space, and I, I assume that means an opportunity, like a vacuum or a, an area that need, needed to be filled. Is that what I heard there? Exactly. Yes. Right. And so, you know, when you're what do you what are you seeing? It, it kind of lines up with what we we were hearing in um, in SPI this year, right, Jay? We were talking about mm -hmm. messaging. We were talking about the different uh, communities. You said you had brought you know some of these uh, crunchy, scary kind of foods into the mainstream, and then then you know Horizon, for example, everybody uses organic milk now, so it's like a commonplace thing that's almost a necessity. Uh, so, do you see a similar arc happening with renewable energies and with uh, with green building and your space? And, and I mean, where are we on? That yeah, arc? where is that? I mean, I, I, I'd love to hear what's the pulse at the moment. Yeah, that's a great question. So when we started about 15 years ago now, um, the white space then was really talking about energy and the performance of the built environment and building science, because at that time, that's what um, at least the folks who we were initially targeting, the building industry, uh, that's the message that they could listen to at that moment in time. And then the recession hit, and that actually became an even bigger message, right, energy mm. efficiency which translated into cost savings for right. homeowners, which translated into actually being able to sell homes <laughs> for building professionals that were willing to design and build with energy efficiency in mind. Right. Um, that clearly has evolved, and today we're seeing that while energy is still a cornerstone of that message, and um, it's, it's almost become a baseline, energy efficiency, right. excuse me. Um, and so in terms of the evolution, absolutely renewable energy uh, is a part of, um, is kind of front in mind and a very important part of the conversation today in terms of green building and, you know, kind of the basics that people need to be thinking about. Um, and obviously, uh, on a residential scale, 
um, whether that's single or multifamily, uh, solar is, you know, kind of the leader in, in that conversation. But we're also seeing, you know, a tremendous amount of interest in smart home technologies um, that uh, help not only um, increase uh, the energy efficiency uh, of a home, but the water conservation uh, also that improves indoor air quality. These are really hot topics right now. Um, and then um, also that learn occupants' behavior and can optimize the performance mm. of a house uh, without the homeowner needing to actually, you know, kind of create settings or program those technologies. Mm -hmm. So we're so really seeing those types of things on the forefront of the conversation right now. Okay, this is interesting because one of our, our sponsors in a company that we're really engaged with right now, Pantech Design, they have uh, you know a suite, they have a, basically a software system called Adapt that integrates with a suite of uh, smart home technologies. And we're starting to get our heads around how that operates. And, and what you just described is it, it, it's kind of moved from just being, you know, smart house related equipment, which can be kind of, kind of like, uh, wow, this is really exciting and futuristic well, to how does it with energy. You, you, you need to micromanage it all, which is not right. what most homeowners want. <laughs> now it's a seamless kind of, or it has the potential to be a seamless kind of self-learning uh, type of system. I and mean, that's what I'm hearing, right? Yeah, and actually the way that we describe it, um, we've kind of shifted from what we call uh, the mindless home, which is the phase that uh, some folks are still at, um, where a homeowner kind of cobbles together a smattering of different devices yeah. And uh, that homeowner may have a variety of different apps that control those devices and the functionality yep. of, um, you know, these smart home uh, that elements. That would be me. Yeah, <laughs> but we're moving now into managed home where we can actually use uh, voice control uh, like Amazon Alexa to integrate the devices together, and then they're also uh, integrated into a central app. But where we're really heading is into what we call the realm of the intuitive home, which it sounds like your sponsor that you just mentioned uh, has a solution for, where all of those smart home technologies are very methodically designed and built into a home, uh, connected by a central platform right. uh, that not only uh, connects smart home devices like uh, lights and, um, and speakers and uh, thermostats, but also hooks into solar systems and HVAC and water heating systems and um, even uh, leak detection systems. Um, that's kind of a big emerging space right now. Leak, and then, leak detection, uh, like also radon cool, and stuff like uh, that? Use cases we're starting to see, for example, um, if that central home system uh, has the intelligence, it can connect now with electrochromic glass in your windows that can send sunlight coming in. And if you want to oh, yeah. uh, reduce heat gain <laughs> in your house... <laughs> It'll yeah, it'll tell your uh, shades uh, to roll down, you know, so it'll block the sunlight, so your your home doesn't heat up with that solar gain. That's it's fascinating, and I got to tell you, from the perspective of a fellow that's been involved with installing solar over the years, I remember looking at Anthony right now because he's a solar guy too, uh, literally calling up uh, companies that that sold windows and said, hey, you know, you must have some metrics on if you install this tinted window, how will that change the overall uh, heat gain in this house, in this environment? Because I was thinking about it from a, uh, an energy generation standpoint, and I'm thinking they should be able to tell us. And it, this was a while back, maybe seven years ago or something. And I really had a hard time getting any data, any any kind of guidance whatsoever. I wanted to say, okay, if these windows go in, then the the thermostat, the, the, the HVAC system is going to be X percent more efficient. I'm going to create uh, X, Y percent less energy, and therefore it'll make sense, right? So, but to think that now that stuff it could be happening in real time where these systems are interacting with one another, it's fascinating. What a cool world we live in. Yeah, automated too. Most of it's going to be automated. You know, you said, oh, I want this much light coming in at a certain time. And it's true. Yeah. We won't even think about it. It's unreal. It's unreal. Very cool stuff. Now, uh, I, I could. I, I'm, looking, I'm looking forward to the bit where you basically don't really have to change your lifestyle patterns to, to really get some, get some major benefits. I think that's, that's part of the puzzle that really mm -hmm. needs to be figured out by the machine by the by the by the computer you know do you and where are we at with this right now i mean are people living in homes uh that have these capabilities at this very moment or is it a little future kind of forward looking uh wh wh where's where are we at in this on the, on the arc right now yeah so we're still in the early and fairly nascent stages of this but there are homes out there that have this um I would say that there are probably more in Europe and in 
Asia than here in the U.S., but uh, the technology is here today. So, for example, uh, Green Builder Media, we just um, uh, completed a one-year demonstration project called the Align Project, mm. uh, which, is, which, is, which was a really neat um, program. Uh, we collaborated with an Austin-based prefab builder called Casita. Love these guys. Um, to develop a program that helped people understand how we can align our lifestyles and our values with our economic and environmental realities. And so we looked at how we can align our spaces and our technology and our mobility solutions and our solar systems and our finances and things like that. And that's where and Align that comes project, from. Okay. Um, we utilized a technology platform uh, called Lockzone, uh, which has, it's, it has a lot more market share in, in Europe than here in the U.S. They're just coming here. But that platform does exactly um, the things that we've been talking about, where not only does it connect all the systems together, but it teaches itself to optimize home performance without human inter intervention. So it kind of takes the human error uh, out of mm -hmm. the mm -hmm. optimization of the performance of the home. And then the other thing about it is that, um, you know, it comes fully installed. So the home buyer doesn't have to install anything, configure anything, or program anything. Um, but rather, uh, that homeowner just has to set up the platform with a password and some preferences, kind of like what you do when you buy a smartphone. Mm. So uh, the technology is available. Um, we are still in the early phases. I foresee a tremendous amount of growth. Wow. I see a lot of acquisitions happening. Um, I know a lot of the bigger uh, companies, blue chip companies like um, Panasonic and Samsung, uh, are very, very into these spaces, so I assume they're going to be doing some acquisitions. Obviously, we're seeing Google and uh, and Amazon and Apple doing acquisitions in these spaces as well. Right. Um, so it's 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 here, but it there's a huge market opportunity. That's so exciting. That's so exciting. And the and the particular uh, uh, pre, was it prefabricated uh, bill that you referenced, Casita, uh, was at SPI. 2018 on Anaheim this year, right? You had it uh, in in the show, right? That one. We sure did, yeah. Yeah, it was, and, and I got to tell yep. you, folks, uh, this was this had a Tabuchi uh, electric IBIS system uh, connected to it, so you had you know you had uh, battery power to support this, and um, the feeling of this was an it was a remarkable home. It really it was a you know about 320 square feet. Does that sound? Is that am I am I in the ballpark, uh, Sarah? You're in a ballpark. It's about 368, I think. 368, which is um, kind of like a, on the larger side of the tiny home kind of market. But this didn't feel at all like a tiny home. This felt very livable. Uh, it didn't feel cramped. It's probably about 12 feet wide and what about maybe 35 feet long with this. Uh, that, uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, but that, that with a, this great kind of um, almost like an atrium out the front where you had access to the entire all this natural light. And then, but the, the way it was configured and built, it was built in such a manner where it, it felt like an apartment that was really intelligently designed to optimize use of space. So you didn't, you weren't wasting space to, which inevitably turns into, in my world, clutter, right? <laughs> so you could live this kind of optimized, you know, really, really nice lifestyle with all this new technology integrated into your life. It was the first time I've, I, I've seen anything quite like that. Yeah, thank you for saying that. I appreciate it. I think, um, you know, there were a couple of notable things about that project. First of all, um, with that home, it was absolutely precision designed and engineered mm. to take advantage of every square foot of space. And then um, we designed it, uh, and Casita designed it, so that the performance of the home was um, so such that, I mean, it, it took four Jinko solar panels and that Tabuchi electric battery that you said to power the whole home. And this, is what, this is what off -grid amazes or, me. Off-grid uh, or, you know, grid-tied. Um, so uh, it was really, uh, you know, very high-performance. And really, with this house, we were not so much showcasing that people should live in 400 square feet, um, but certainly that they could. And that, yeah. um, you know, when they walked in, we often got the response that you just said, which mm -hmm. is, wow, this is a lot more livable than I thought 400 square feet could be or 368 square feet. Yeah, I also got to walk through it, and it, I, I will absolutely attest to that. <laughs> it just doesn't feel at all like mm -hmm. a, a small 
prefab house. I, I, I'm yeah. waiting for the one-bedroom variety because this was the studio. Mm-hmm. And I, I assume that one-bedroom is going to go on the front right-hand side next to the bathroom. And then I, and, and for my unit, uh, Sarah, I would prefer to have the uh, some sliding doors on the interior because yeah. we're at Hawaii, so yeah. we live outside quite a bit in a big deck. Fold out one eye. That's <laughs> the next part. Easy fold out I one think eye. that dials it in. It really was a special uh, thing. And I, I read a little bit about the uh, the founder of the company. His name is escaping me at the moment. But did, did I read correctly that he had taken six months or something and lived in a dumpster in order to determine what the uh, what the smallest amount of space he could live in is it, did I did I read that correctly you did read that correctly okay. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you know interestingly I do need to add um, that that owner has actually uh, sold casita to some hospitality entrepreneurs and no kidding. they're pivoting the company a little bit they're gonna focus on producing the units for boutique hotels. Oh. I don't know whether or not they're actually going to have the unit available now for residences. Oh, no. Um, yeah, so <laughs> what just, do? as you're visioning your own, you know, unit in Hawaii, we may have to point you more towards the Flex House, which is another uh, yes. small footprint house. That, that, we, was, that was that SPI we, uh, 2017, right? The flex. Yes, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, you saw that at SPI. Yeah, 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 for sure. We were there. Yeah. Very That cool one stuff. is about yeah. 768 square feet, and um, it's very livable for, yeah. you know, a single person or a couple. Um, you know, it's, it's got distinctive rooms, you know, a living room, uh, a bedroom, and then another bedroom slash flex space. It could be an office um, or a little workout room or something. And, very you know, cool. a nook and a kitchen. So I really like the flex house. That one's just... Uh, in production now and uh, getting a tremendous amount of interest. Yeah, we know what's interesting. There were some really nice people involved in the build of that. Do you remember that fellow Jason we met uh, that we spoke with there? I think we did an interview with him. Uh, one of the principals of the the organization that built the Flex House, um, and uh, really, I, rem- I remember I remember yeah, his face. I cannot remember the name. Yeah, really nice fellow. Um, so you know what I find interesting about this is that there, of course you know, the average American home is something like is it twenty seven hundred square feet now, Sarah, somewhere in that territory, and you know that's a pretty that's a pretty big house. You know, world standard wise, when you think about mm-hmm. how people live. For example, Jay and I lived, you know, have lived in Japan for for uh, different periods of our life, and people live you know in more modest spaces. Uh, I, th- I think that's probably the same with Europe. I don't know the, the metrics, the numbers there. Definitely. But yeah, um, yeah right. Mm-hmm. So, and out here in Hawaii, we tend to have a little bit smaller homes in the mainland. But you know, one of the things that occurs to me is we're trying to create all this energy in the renewable energy business, right? Okay, well, you've got X amount of energy spend, and we're going to produce this with a solar system. Um, but a lot of the times, people are in houses, I think, personally, I mean, for me, I'll just say for me, I think I could live in a smaller space, maybe not 400 square feet. But maybe I could live at 800 square feet or something like that. I think that's very doable. Yeah. So it ex- it excites me to see kind of like you know, more dialed in spaces that you contract your energy needs. Uh, Sarah was just saying four Jinko solar panels and one Ibis, yeah. right? Which is that's just just about enough to turn on the Ibis. I mean, yeah. you know what well, I, mean? I think so. that's think that's where the magic number lies. Like how much can you get out of 500 square feet? I mean, if you think about it, if your living room retracts your bed automatically at the touch of an app and it does it seamlessly right. and it's not like oh it got stuck in the middle and you know. And it Works, yeah, yeah, it works, and your shower goes down and utilizes that whole other corner as a bigger bathroom. I mean, it, that's I think that's what it is. Right. Living the very best you can at you know just 500 square feet or whatever the magic number is at that moment. But I mean, that's I think that's what everyone's shooting for. Very so. cool. Very cool. Yeah. So, um, Sarah, what do you think? What what are um, do you see any opportunities out here in Hawaii? Are people going to be able to purchase certain kinds of homes like this? Are you consulting with any builders? Is there anything on the horizon? Uh, so the general answer is yes. <laughs> I think that you know small footprint living is um, it's not just a trend that we're seeing. It's really a direction that people in all uh, levels and areas of the marketplace are attracted to, and it's partly because of the resource efficiency and therefore you know lower uh, monthly bills. Uh, you know, it's it's less expensive to maintain and upkeep uh, a smaller footprint home. It uh, certainly translates into, um, uh, you know, just a different type of lifestyle um, that you all are talking about. So, you know, and it's baby boomers all the way down to, you know, millennials um, and everywhere in between in terms of people understanding that 
bigger is not necessarily better anymore with respect to our homes and our built environment and, you know, just our lifestyles uh, in general. I mean, we've learned to live very big here in the U.S. with respect to our spaces and the amount of resources that we need. But I think that there is a new ethic of sustainability and conservation (coughs) that is permeating throughout the marketplace. And, um, you know, I think Hawaii actually in some ways is really leading the charge, Um, obviously, uh, you know, with... Uh, you know, in light of, of the state's commitment to uh, going 100% renewable, um, I think also just the realities of, uh, you know, uh, living in a home and, you know, kind of high lifestyle co- uh, yeah. living costs uh, in Hawaii and uh, transportation of materials, uh, high cost for that Definitely. in Hawaii. So, um, you know, I have to be honest, we are not currently partnering with any prefab builders or small footprint builders um, in Hawaii, but it's certainly something that we have our eye on. And I do have to say, we just had um, uh, our annual Home of the Year awards. and um, I saw that. I saw yeah, that. and there was a, an amazing Hawaii-based um, uh, bamboo builder. Yeah, um, Sands. And they are called, sorry. Uh, bamboo Living? Yeah. yeah and living. David Sands, the architect, and I'll tell you yeah. what, there's a really they're they're a great group. They've been around for a while. Yeah, I know David. Yeah. You know David? Yeah. Okay, yeah, and they've uh, done some really awesome houses over the last decade or so. Yeah, I think, what was right? the what was the house featured on Home and Garden Television? I forgot her name too, but Blue Iron had its fingers right. in that project. And Blue Iron's yeah. in this one that yeah. uh, that Sarah just yeah. uh, f- okay. showcased as yeah. well. There's a six kilowatt hour. Blue Ion 2.0, I think, in cool. it as well. So, yeah, they're pretty excited. They're pretty amazing, and that you know, the notion of um, uh, bamboo as a you know renewable uh, building material—is that how you'd frame it? I mm-hmm. guess, right? Yeah, I mean, it's it's if if you treat it right too with borax, it's a hundred-year material. Um, oh, no kidding. Yeah, there's there's it's there's a whole method. I mean, if you look over in Indonesia, mm-hmm. um, there's some beautiful big houses built out of just strictly bamboo. Yeah, um, and it's very very architectural I, pleasing. I know that um, they, there's a organization out in Hana called Whispering Winds mm. and they uh, they grow bamboo mm. bunching bamboo mm. and they were working on trying to get bamboo to become a structural st- approved structural building material in the United States mm. and it was a really long ongoing kind of endeavor and of course you can get them out of uh, Southeast Asia I think in Zabali or, yeah, well, yeah. there's different places. Yeah, you know? and then you, uh, there, I think some of these are structural. Yeah, uh, and there's some. So, but it's a uh, yeah. It's I was so excited when I saw that, and it was funny too, Sarah, because we had already agreed to get together and do this show, and then I saw that that came on. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, we know these guys, yeah, you yeah, know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a really neat project. I know um, they did a lot to um, not only utilize bamboo, as you're saying, but um, to enhance the uh, the energy efficiency, the resiliency. Um, and, uh, you know, things like they've got a you know, 6,500-gallon rainwater catchment tank yeah. that stores and supplies all the water for the house. Both Anthony and I have lived off yes. of catchment before. Some of us still, <laughs> some of us still do. <laughs> that's, that's not too uncommon when yeah. you live in the jungle, right? Um, that's very cool stuff. Uh, yeah, we're actually getting pinged by some people, some of our listeners. Uh, Lloyd's in Home Depot right now sending us a picture of some smart home technology and he says, Sarah, send us a sample. Of the, I think he means the casino. <laughs> <laughs> send, send me a house. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's, not, he's not bashful, Lloyd. Yeah. Thanks, Lloyd. Let's <laughs> we'll see. Very cool. Very cool. So, um, well, I'm excited to learn more about this. Where can our listeners go to kind of get more acquainted with Green Builder? You've got, are there a couple different websites? Is it kind of a group of sites? Yeah, so our main site is greenbuildermedia.com. Pretty easy to get there. Um, and then from there, um, you can navigate through and you can uh, check out Green Builder Magazine, which is our flagship publication that just won Best Trade Publication for the sixth year in a row, which oh, we're very happy about. Nice. You can also look at um, the Home of the Year Awards, which is under the magazine tab, and check out the Bamboo uh, Living um, Project. Uh, you can look at some of our other uh, demonstration projects, like the Align Project and the Flex House and other ones that uh, are past and current. And then the other website that um, I will point out is um, a sister uh, uh, initiative and, and website uh, called CodeWatcher. Uh, it's CodeWatcher. CodeWatcher.us. And that one's really interesting because it um, gives uh, a, it provides a lot of information about changing codes and regulations 
um, across the U.S., um, but in specific states as well. And I know there's some Hawaii-based information, and that's pretty interesting because there's a whole new code cycle coming up, and uh, codes just are constantly continuing to, to change and evolve. When we say codes, what do we mean exactly? Uh, building codes. Oh, gotcha. Um, so, okay. you know, things that, like, I'm, I'm sitting here with a bunch of geeks, and so we're, I'm thinking <laughs> coding or, or passwords. What's going on? I got it. Building okay. codes. Yeah, yeah. I, building codes. Okay. Sorry. No, no worries. <laughs> Thank you. I get it. Yeah, and that is a challenge, right? Because there's such a diversity, all right, of codes throughout the country. So being able to kind of uh, watch that and understand how to uh, how to approach that is, is, is probably really critical. Okay. Yeah. Well, it, I mean, thank you so much. Jay, is there anything you'd like to ask before we wrap? Well, you had EVs on here as a yeah. note. I'm not sure what you wanted to I just like to talk, talk about, about EVs, generally speaking. Yeah, you do like, <laughs> you <know>? okay. <laughs> so, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think the, you, there probably was some, I, I had seen um, some EV charging in one of your uh, projects uh, as a, one of, you know, one of the suite of technologies. Uh, and I can't remember which one it was, but. Yeah, so we're, no, you know, no we're big fans of EVs and EV charging stations. We, um, like in the Align project, we showcased the Delta EV charging station. Yeah. Um, we, uh, we love them, and I'm sure you guys um, talk about this on your show, but um, obviously, you know, to promote clean mobility solutions, but uh, we also love the idea of utilizing, you know, an EV charging station and an electric vehicle for a backup battery, yeah. uh, power yes. home in, yep. in um, you know, certain situations. Um, and then we also really love the emerging technology of, you know, grid straight into, you know, the EV charger or the vehicle itself. So, you know, EV straight to grid technology that's coming out. Wow. Okay. Yeah. V to H and V to G is some of our favorite letters. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's been a yeah. real pleasure, uh, Sarah. I can't thank you enough for uh, joining us here on the Solar Coaster. I really appreciate the work that you're doing. I really feel like we've got a better understanding now of what Green Builder Media is doing. And I'm really glad that you're out there doing that work. It's really important stuff. So I hope we can keep in touch and learn. And as you, you know, identify more of this technology and how it's going to integrate with our kind of new way of living in the future, you'll keep us uh, apprised of it. I sure will, and thank you guys. It was a pleasure to join you today, and uh, look forward to continued dialogue. Okay, a little Yeah, next hot. time you're going to have to come out to Hawaii. I'm sorry. Hmm, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. We look <laughs> forward to seeing you in the studio. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Right, guys, take care. Thanks, Sarah. Aloha. Have a good one. Aloha. All righty. Well, okay, we got a couple minutes here, Jay. What a, what a cool uh, main show focus today. I think we can actually do our future focus. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, it's it's really cool to be able to talk to these types of people, and we 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 have referenced their articles an awful lot over the years, and, and it has I can say years. That's kind of cool too. Yes, but, it is cool. But they do they do they're they're just everywhere. You know, they're ubiquitous. Uh, do check out greenbuildermedia.com uh, for news, interesting tidbits of things, and of course all the um, their uh, their work in um, sustainable living. Well, we have something so, that maybe can be integrated to the next uh, smart, small, intelligently in the, designed house from Belgian <laughs> scientists. If you wanted to have a right. fuel source, you know, you wanted to not bring propane in, you wanted to be able to cook with with uh, with something like that's uh, flammable, like hydrogen, for example. There's a solar panel <laughs> that is going that is making hydrogen directly. Is that what I'm reading here, Jay? What? Yeah, what? This is yeah. <laughs> this is this is uh, it's a prototype right now, uh, but there are in in. Belgium, they have a large solar panel over a volume of, of enclosed space, and they are pulling. It looks like they're pulling water moisture out of the air mm -hmm. and and fractionating it to, to get the hydrogen gas directly and just keeping it in this in this little box. It's not under pressure. Uh, it is just a box with with some hydrogen in it. It'll do 250 liters per day, which is a like a massive record. It's it's really really impressive. Um, you can buy by just burning it. So if you're thinking about um, burning the, the gas, you can get 286 kilojoules uh, out of that standard pressure gas, which is uh, quite a lot of <laughs> it's a lot of energy. Is that enough to cook uh, some pasta? Start, you, and, well, it's good. How about how about some steaks? All right, sounds All right. Good. <laughs> Wrapping up the show as we start. Okay, very so good. Instead pro, so instead of propane, you'll be able to use hydrogen right off your roof. Absolutely, love it. Hey, folks, uh, this has been the Solar Coaster, episode ninety-six, with Sarah Gutterman from Green Builder Media. Great show. Thank you, Anthony Solar Anthony. Thank you, Julia, for joining us. Gary for helping us out today. Jason, thank you, Josh. Bear cards. Thank you, Jason. Uh, <laughs> uh, we are we are sponsored by Pantech Design, Sundrum Solar and LG Chem and uh, have a wonderful Aloha Friday folks. <laughs>